Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I've been a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Shmuel Okay, we are live again on LinkedIn and on Facebook for another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast. I know you cannot get enough of us today. We literally just finished less than an hour ago doing our other episode. So today, we are today, not today, on this episode, second one for today, uh, we are going to be focusing on a little bit of a different, maybe not focused on as much, a different area of the impact of the coronavirus, COVID-19, within the nursing home world. And with your permission, we go deep into the bowels of an actual nursing home uh, where we will, where our guest um, is. Now, let me introduce, let me first tell you the backstory of how this episode came to be. So, you know, those annoying email newsletters that lots of us get, and either we don't know how to unsubscribe from, or we still think maybe one day, nor email hoarders. Well, McKnight's newsletter is different, and there's tons, especially if you're in this industry, there's tons of gems there. I found a fascinating article this last week um, regarding the eight reasons why I'm still excited and proud to work in the nursing home industry. And I kind of read the whole thing, and I don't usually do that. And I reached out to today's guest, and that is how this episode is happening. So today we have on, joining me on the podcast is Dr. L, Dr. Eleanor, Eleanor Feldman Barbera, is, who is an elder care expert, speaker, author, and psychologist who really knows the world of nursing homes, the emotional world of nursing homes, the clinical world of nursing homes from a unique perspective. So welcome to, how shall I say, Dr. L? Sure, that's fine. Thank you. All right, so Dr. L, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Thanks for having me. Sure. So before we get too far into the podcast, uh, we just met last week, and now we're meeting virtually in person today. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give our listeners just a a brief overview of your professional background so they know who they're watching or listening to? Sure. Well, I've been uh, working as a psychologist in nursing homes for close to 25 years and I've uh, been talking with the residents. I do a lot of public speaking with and training for audiences of administrators, CEOs and staff. So, and I've been through in terms of crises, I used to work at the Manhattan Psychiatric Center during the AIDS crisis. And so I have sort of a deep background in crisis management as I deal with this particular situation. Okay. Are you phased by what you're dealing with? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's, uh, it's been, well, I'm, first of all, I'm talking to you from New York City, which a lot of the big cities have been harder hit than some other areas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk, so I see what, what I'm seeing around me when I talk to other psychologists uh, across the country. 
yes, there's been a lot of loss in the nursing homes, and we can see that reflected in some of the reports that we're getting around the country. Got it, got it. So this, this is, uh, even for an expert in crisis management within the nursing home world, this, this, is, this is quite the challenge. Yes, for sure. Got it. So let us, uh, let us delve into this a little bit deeper. So I know in the article that you wrote, uh, you wrote some of the reasons why you're so, why you're still excited um, and privileged to work in this industry. Mm-hmm. But let, let's focus on an area which has been affected by the coronavirus, which is not really uh, focused on all that much, or I have not seen that much coverage on. And that is, we know all the hero movements or the hashtag it's me movement, which is picking up a lot of speed in social media, you know, with people actually coming out, saying, you know, those nursing home people, it's me, I'm one of those, or it's you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one of the people actually providing the care, or I'm a resident, or however I'm involved. But what about the emotional effect that this is happening on the staff who unfortunately are accustomed to dealing with end of life issues and death and hospice, but are now perhaps overwhelmed with, uh, especially if they've had a tough outbreak, at least it's almost like a war zone. So what type of emotional challenges are there and what type of support can be offered to help the staff manage through this crisis? Sure, that's a that's a good question. So first of all, you know, even though the staff are used to dealing with a certain amount of loss, a certain amount of death, there's a, a, a kind of a pace to that. And then when, you know, I think that what most places are finding is that the everything was just fine until it wasn't. And then when it wasn't, it was very, very bad, very quickly with a lot of losses. So that kind of, um, intensity and number of losses so quickly and that powerlessness has been really hard on the staff because they are the ones that are dealing with the residents day to day. So they may have lost, you know, depending on the facility, five, 10, I mean, some places they've said 40 or more residents within just a few weeks time. So it's very emotionally challenging right now also bear in mind uh that for some of these staff and for some of the residents they could have been there for years you know to be some long-term residents and you really become professionally slash emotionally connected to these residents and for some of these residents this is these are the only people they may have left in right. their lives and then so many are taken so quickly i mean it could be devastating it's like losing so many family members in a short period of time so Absolutely. The, the staff members can often be like family members. And then there's the other piece, even if your facility is not uh, experiencing, hopefully they're not experiencing so many losses, just the fact that there, there's, there are no family members allowed into the facility, it's a whole loss of that kind of interaction. And then there's the loss of, if people are quarantined in their rooms, there's a the loss of that camaraderie that people really enjoy working in a nursing home. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of things bundled up there. Wow, wow. So, I mean, the social isolation for the residents and social isolation for the staff who, even those annoying family members, and no offense, annoying family members, are a welcome break to the daily work. It's, it's just, it's life, you know. Uh, 
the the mailman's popularity have skyrocketed for many people who are home for weeks at a time because sometimes that's the only human interaction and we're as humans we're social animals and we crave and need it you know in order to manage and to thrive so it's very difficult for the residents and uh, and for the staff who are caring for them. You know, we almost we almost view them as immune to what's going on and just throw some, uh, you know, give them a mask to share, <laughs> and and hope that they'll be fine. But let's you know focus back on the residents and the staff have very real needs which directly affect uh, the care of the residents. What can I just add to that because you brought up a couple of things one about the mask so I think that you know in terms of staff that's a concern that they have you know am I as a staff member is are there enough is there enough equipment am I being adequately protected um, I'm going into work and you know to help these people but then I'm going home and you know am I endangering my family so there's a lot of emotion in terms of what staff are going through they have a lot of emotions around that is my facility protecting me and my family that is also another piece of it and then of course if you're in a hard-hit area you as a staff member may know people who are sick or um, have passed from the coronavirus so then you're dealing with your own grief and then you're coming in to deal with the residents as well so you know there's, it's really, a, I would call it a, a PTSD engendering situation. Wow, wow. And uh, wow, you know, that can, certainly can be challenging. Now, what can be done? I know that this is what you do professionally, but what can be done uh, for a typical nursing home, let's say from the administrative standpoint or a director of nursing standpoint, or even, you know, the ownership, what can they do to support their staff um, to help them with cope with the emotional challenges now, not wait for afterwards and give them therapy, but right now in order to empower them to care for the residents or just to care for them. Right. Well, of course, you know, making sure there's adequate PPE would be the first step because if you're looking at Abraham Maslow's, you know, that triangle of needs, like basic physiological safety, that would be so the masks and the PPE would be number one. And then um, I think that if we can support the staff in terms of acknowledging what they're going through um, and uh, helping them with certain other basic needs, like I know in the uh, hospitals, they're getting donations of food. And, and, you know, you read these articles about people that are working in the hospitals. There's so much food coming in. We don't even know what to do with it. That's not happening in the nursing homes. So, but the nursing homes are part of the community, you know, and they're, they're important to the community. So the facilities can engage the community to help out and to, uh, you know, change that feeling of, you know, being in there by yourself, trying to fight this invisible enemy to being a supported player in the community. I think that can be really helpful. Amazing. So you, you brought up a couple of very important points. Um, the, the media glorifies, you know, the hospital care staff, and it's amazing what they're doing. But many times the real trenches, even in normal times, are the nursing homes. The nursing homes, uh, the, the contrast came out starkly. I know I've mentioned this incident in the past, but for me, it, it came home, the, the, the stark contrast between the resources available to a nursing home nurse or CNA on any given day versus a hospital, 
was when my son was born a couple of years ago, and we ended up spending some time in the NICU uh, for a couple of weeks. And I was literally coming from the nursing home to the NICU to home to the nursing home to NICU to home. And I'm seeing the equipment that's available. In the NICU. You have, uh, again, this is the extreme, um, you know, difference. And it's even the NICU is not a typical hospital room, but every type of almost dream piece of equipment is there. And it was a top Boston hospital as well. So might not be fair, but, and one nurse for two infants, two, mm-hmm. just, you know, a few days old, all 12 hour shifts, calm, you know, clean, high tech, cutting edge equipment and everything that they could ever want coming to the nursing home world where we're struggling to ensure that there's gloves and briefs and food and, you know, lights on. Right like the basics on a regular day so when it comes a time when there's a crisis you know, it, it, the survival uh, i'm not talking about survival to but the financial survival and just getting everything to the right places nursing one anything is a challenge for many different reasons beyond the scope of this conversation mm-hmm. but it's exacerbated now uh with this outbreak and at the same time they're not uh celebrated as much you know in the general media so nursing home nurses aides anyone working in the nursing home field they're really heroes on a regular day for just me up with you know with everything they have to put up it's like it's the real face-off between life and the medical world without you know being in that hospital setting i'm I'm not sure if i'm explaining this correctly But but right now like you said what does it take to make a nurse happy a mask over her face so she doesn't risk dying Right, gloves, sufficient gloves, and she can change and keep the infection control policy instead of CMS coming in there. I hope I don't know if you agree with this or not, it doesn't matter. Instead of having the Department of Public Health coming in there and citing me for infection control because they didn't switch my gloves, they can come and help me and figure out a way to get us enough PPE so that we are adequately protected. Like you said, we're emotionally calmer and we're able to care for our residents. I'm sorry, you got me worked up there for a minute. Because <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yes, I, and I think that the people that work in the hospitals deserve everything that they're getting, and yeah. the people that work in nursing homes also deserve accolades for what they are doing. And they they are just as much endangering their lives taking care of these residents. As 100 percent. I was. Not, I'm not intending to say that the hospital. A healthcare workers deserve it any less, but they're right. more glorified. They're part of bigger right. organizations, more well-funded, well-connected organizations, and there's fewer of them. Nursing home, and, and the PR isn't the same, you know. And so that's another way that I think that people that are in leadership positions can speak up. And it, it's a matter of education. I was on a uh, Zoom gathering of some friends, and there, so there were a bunch of people on the call, and one of the people was a nurse. And everyone was like, oh, you know, you're doing such great work. And, you know, we spent quite a few minutes on how, what good work she was doing, because she was. But then I, we were talking about masks, and I mentioned, oh, something that about me wearing a mask. And they said, oh, yeah, I guess you would need to wear a mask. Like, th- there's just not that knowledge of what is going on in the nursing homes. And in particular now that outsiders are not coming in, I think the people who are here and the leadership needs to speak up for the staff and, and say, look, no, this is really what's going on. And regardless of the problems in the industry, if the, you know the regulations or infection control procedures, people 
need support and help to keep showing up and taking care of the residents. Mm -hmm. There's a fascinating uh, movement uh, by Kirite Centers uh, where they they manage uh, quite a number of facilities, and it's the hashtag It's Me movement, where you know we're kind of taking away the anonymity of nursing home people to know that's me, and you know residents and Kirite a lot of it's picking up a lot of steam, and the goal of that movement really is to kind of promote the nursing home uh, healthcare workers. Uh, as much as, as everybody else. And then you hit another important point also is that the community engagement is key. If a nursing home during regular times ignores the community, you know, I would tell my staff that, you know, I view a nursing home, and I'm talking about from my position as administrator, um, I view the nursing home as a community resource. You know, they may, you may be in a small community where there are no other real community centers, but this is a place where everyone from the community or many people from the community have a loved one comes to the nursing home, this is where they live, this is where they do activities, this is where they volunteer. This is a, like their extended uh, family for some people. Mm-hmm. And you can use that. You can either just do it, stay in your lane and provide the care and bill insurance and hire your staff and do what you're supposed to do. Or you can actually go and develop and intentionally create relationships with people in the community, not because you want them to send their loved ones to you. You want that, it's true. And, but that will happen by itself. But because you genuinely care, and you genuinely, uh, you genuinely want to help and be a resource to them, to the extent that that's done, you know, it, it, it's more natural to have this reciprocity. And again, this is the sniff marketing. You know, this is kind of what I do. But but the social media marketing can be a huge tool for this if you do it correctly. Sure. To humanize it. And this is a really a pivotal moment because things are so bad and difficult in many places right now that there's a lot of attention focused on nursing homes. So it's a good time to, uh, if you haven't been doing those kind of outreach efforts to really um, shift things. Yes, no, this is certainly true. And like we mentioned in other episodes, people are going to look back to this moment and say that as a, as a nursing home, what did we do at this time to shine because if you if you put a google alert for coronavirus and nursing homes like i do and you see every time it's mentioned in the news mm-hmm. it's front and center for weeks already and probably will be so for at least another little while so it's an opportunity for nursing homes and anyone who works in a nursing home you know think about it from a nurse's perspective also even from you know a clinician that comes and provides services you know like you do Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for anyone to stand up proudly and say, you know, it's me and, you know, this is me at work today and this is what we did and, you know, or, or even within, within the facility, you know, management can come, you know, simple things, bringing in donuts if you have stores that are still open and uh, small, small things can really help build the morale. Like I've seen myself, you can give an employee a raise, you know, of a dollar an hour, which is the equivalent of $2,000 bonus. And you might not even get a thank you, but you bring in an unexpected, you know, donuts and coffee on a random day, you know, that can be more effective. Yeah, not that you should do both. You should do both. Definitely do both. And and right now, some hazardous duty pay of some sort would go a long way and you will. What would go a long way? I'm sorry. Hazardous duty pay. What is that? when somebody's doing some kind of work getting paid more because they're doing something that's particularly dangerous right now the work is quite hazardous 
I mean, I have my PPE here on my desk, my uh, N95, my surgical mask, and my shield. Oh, well. <laughs> and, you know, that, so that's what everybody's walking around in. So, you know, I think the acknowledgement of what's been going on and what this the, is a challenge. No, I, it's a challenge. It, it, what I'm saying is from a nursing home owner perspective, yeah. the, the, their margins are so slim for that. A lot of, there's a couple of things for, for at least in the beginning, there literally was no supply. Right. right. And getting anyone, I, you know, I know fellow ad administrators in the business and they had to find, you know, uh, manufacturers out of the country and get things shipped to their house and do it. You know, they, they were even, you know, didn't have, they had, didn't even have the support within the company just because no one really knew how to get this equipment. It was literally a shortage. And so there are rules about not selling to the public and you can't buy an Amazon anymore and all the, all this craziness. Right. Which is, to me, the government, you know, should have helped. And I think that, you know, the, the nursing homes will be taking a certain amount of blame for things that are were out of their control. And that's part of the, the uh, counteracting in the media, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, so what you just said is, is, is gold. Um, and I do want to devote an entire episode just to that, is to the government's reaction of increasing uh, regulatory compliance as opposed to coming in with boxes of equipment that's necessary. We're sending out stimulus checks to every single person, and billions and billions and billions of dollars. And it's great because many people are losing their businesses. And but I wonder if that stimulus check, which I'm very happy to receive, um, but I wonder if that's really going to help solve the problem of people's businesses that disappeared or jobs that disappeared. But, and even if it does, this is a financial matter, which should be secondary to literally saving people's lives, which is the challenge in the nursing home world. And there's a lot more that the government could do for that. But let's leave that for a moment and focus back um, to the staff in the nursing, I'm sorry, in the nursing home world. And even more specifically, we can go back to, to your article. So you mentioned there that there are eight reasons why, even despite COVID-19, I'm still glad to work in the long in the long-term care world. Again, this was in McKnight's blog, April right. 21st, 2020, mm -hmm. and it was a phenomenal piece. And uh, maybe you want to share um, or go into a little bit more depth about some of the reasons why, because that's a surprising headline, which is probably why I read it. Many people, you know, say, "Oh my gosh, you're so lucky you're not managing a building right now." <laughs> Well, you know, it's probably why a lot of people didn't read it because they're not feeling too often <laughs> working in nursing homes right now. But um, for me, I um, always, my job is always interesting. I work with really some of the best people in the world, you know, and from all over the world, which is, I find very interesting and exciting. And uh, I get to talk in depth with, older adults and and it's actually been helpful right now for me as a person because even though yeah i've been through you know the aids crisis and and 9-11 but these people have several decades on me and so they've been through even more and so they can put things into perspective so so that's been helpful and then you know i have been quite um pleased to see some pushback on the part of, you know, leadership positions in the nursing home world, the long-term care world that are saying, listen, 
you know, we're doing the best we can, but we cannot do this by ourselves. This is a completely unexpected and dangerous situation. We do need help. Right. So those are some of the reasons that I still like working in nursing homes. Now, just to, to the second point that you said and what we mentioned earlier, uh, Mark Parkinson, the CEO of the American Healthcare Association, who's been on this podcast before, um, mm -hmm. is the staunch, staunch supporter of the nursing home long-term care line workers. He understands he's from the few people in government who are in positions of power who really understand what's going on because he's owned and managed his own long-term care facilities. And he really genuinely, he gets it. He simply gets it. Not a, he's not a politician. I mean, he know he's a politician too, but he's not just a politician there. And he's, I think I saw today, and I don't have it right in front of me at this moment, that, you know, 70% of nursing homes in this country lack sufficient personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. Seven, zero. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, 70% of nursing homes, hundreds and hundreds of nursing homes um, throughout the country that are providing care for coronavirus residents and they themselves are not adequately protected, 70% of them. Right, and that's a particularly alarming statistic considering that the such a great proportion of the deaths due to COVID are happening in the nursing homes. If you want to bring the numbers of deaths down, you need to give protective equipment to the people that are working with the most vulnerable population. Right, 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 absolutely. Is there a particular reason I, I, I don't recall this. I'm actually going to pull up the article right now again. Uh, I know these are the reasons why despite, but any reasons that because of coronavirus, it makes you proud to be where you are um, in the nursing home world. Do you see anything in the nursing home world that makes you like, oh my gosh, I would never want to be somewhere else? Well, I mean, if I could be on a vacation somewhere, I would want to do that, but <laughs> nobody can go on vacation anywhere, really. Professionally. Professionally. Uh, it, I, I know that what I'm doing on a normal basis is incredibly helpful to the residents, but right now, some of the people that, you know, New York is getting people that have come from the hospital with COVID and, you know, they are been separated from their family since they got into the hospital and, and so some of them lost their phones, they haven't been in touch. You know, I'm really a lifeline in a, in a very major way to help them cope with what's going on. And so, you know, I'm, I'm helping 120%. And so that, that part feels really good. So I will add to that, and this is the part that you're not saying, mm -hmm. is that this tends to bring out the best in people. And you're a perfect example. You have nurses who are getting paid less than other industries where they can work and other uh, staff, that regardless of that, but they're, it's challenging to work in a nursing home. And they're doing it anyways on a regular day. When it comes time of crisis, you see them step forward and doing you know whatever they can for the residents. There are many residents, like you kind of mentioned earlier, that when they are passing, they're passing without any family members present, which is horrible. Yes. And, you know, family members could be down the block and they're still not present. And the nurses and aides are the ones who are helping them transition to the other side, so to speak. And this is, this is something which they're not, it's not something that they're usually such an integral part of. 
and but the stepping many of them are stepping forward and very gracefully filling that much needed role, which is something which is extremely difficult. They may never have been trained, no one could be trained for such a thing because um, we weren't expecting this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that, that's something, it certainly brings out you know, the greatest in people. But let me ask, what actions, let's say someone's listening to this right now, watching this right now, and they're saying, that's crazy. We need to support our nursing homes. We need to make sure they have everything that they need. We need to make sure that the morale is high. We, we, these are the people on the front line. And we really need to make sure um, you know, that this care is there. And we don't view the residents as other people. That's us in a few years, maybe, or it's our family members. That, you know, right. I hate the us and them syndrome. What actions do you think would be beneficial for anyone, even outside the nursing home space, to do to support their local nursing homes? Well, so I wrote an article uh, trying to explain to people outside the nursing home what was going on in the nursing home. And a friend of mine posted it on Facebook and was talking about his father being in a nursing home on hospice. And mm -hmm. having read the article, he sent them some, I think some gifts, some sort of food or thanks. So I think that sending some sort of thank yous, whether it's homemade masks, whether it's some a, a basket of fruit or, you know, writing on with chalk on the sidewalk so that when the staff come out, they see, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. All those small, you know, tokens of noticing and appreciating can go really a long way. And, you know, it's for, it's, it's the nurses, it's the aides, it's the maintenance people, the kitchen staff, everybody's showing up in their PPE, really putting themselves and their families at risk for a relatively low wage to show up for these residents because they really care about uh, the people here. That's the only, I mean, that's why people do this kind of work, the ones that stick with it. They enjoy it, despite all of this. So listen to what Dr. L just said. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to everybody else. That these are people who are literally putting themselves at risk. They're literally, they're, they're working in conditions that are challenging. And all the only thing, you know, you want to make it easier, just a little bit of support, a little bit of help, a little bit, a small thank you. It's these small gestures. And of course, ownership, if you're listening, a little bump in the paycheck always helps. But, you know, it helps even more if it's done with a smile. It helps even more if it's done with an acknowledgement of what what the staff are doing uh, and the risks that they're taking and the path that they're choosing in life. Like You could wonder, someone, some of these positions, they can make a similar wage to someone down the block. There used to be something called burger shops. I don't know if you've heard of this. <laughs> they're not open anymore in bakeries and you know they can work in a grocery they can make similar wages where if they mess up if they do something wrong nobody dies nobody gets hurt they're not putting themselves at risk those positions now unfortunately are also risky positions and but the people who choose to be in this industry is because they truly care they're, they're, the the fringe benefits are simply not there so a just a little bit of caring a little bit of support goes a long way and like we mentioned earlier, from the facility standpoint, be open to accept it. You know, post on your Facebook page, you know, how proud you are and of what your staff are doing and share a little bit. Because a lot of times communities, 
you know, until someone actually goes to a nursing home, a lot of times people put up like a, a wall, like there's nursing homes and that's the, I kind of drive by it a thousand times, but I don't want to ever think about it because it's like scary and confusing. But if you break down those barriers and it doesn't happen overnight, but if you share a little bit appropriately share what's going on and, and you be that resource and the beacon of light for your local community, I can go a long way to, for them to reciprocate, uh, to reciprocate back. Before we close off here, um, any final thoughts before we close out this uh, episode regarding uh, the staff and managing during the time of the coronavirus? Well, I think that um, it's important to keep in mind that the staff are the most important resource of a nursing home. It, it, the lobby, it pales by comparison. Uh, it's the people that are working there as a family that make the most difference. That's my deep belief. And yes, uh, this is deep and true and authentic, and it came out of your the, the innermost recesses of your soul. And you know, you can have a beautiful facility with, with terrible care, and you can have an ugly facility, a dated facility, with wonderful care. And it, it's a hundred percent. It's the staff that make or break the building. And a lot of times, the same staff can provide amazing care with a small amount of TLC. It's not we're not talking about buying them luxury cars. They don't not talking about expensive cruises. We're talking about ensuring that the working conditions are acceptable or close to acceptable or slightly closer to acceptable. <laughs> and it's like the, the uh yeah, the expectations are so low that even a small thing goes a very, very long way. And obviously bigger things are great also. And it's not the lobby, it's the staff. That's so true. Right, and I have read studies where if you increase the number of staff, you reduce the turnover drastically. So, you know, making sure you have enough people to pr provide a decent, do a decent job can pay off in the long run, but, you know, you do have to bite the bullet and get the people on board, so, you know. Yes, there's a lot of time that will go in that direction. Yes, so again, and uh, we have future episodes where we're going to talk more about staffing and recruitment and staffing agencies and, um, you know, there's other apps, you know, the Ubers and Lyfts of staffing, all these things are trying to help. The, the problem there is that there, there is an actual shortage, which can't, you know, with aggressive action can't solve that until we deal with the root of the problem. But even within this problem of a shortage, there are things that can be done. But the bottom line is adequate staffing, adequate supplies, adequate um, pay, uh, you know, compensation, and a little bit of TLC support from above, supporting each other, and from the community go a long way to actually helping end this pandemic. Hopefully that happens soon so that we can, we can put this behind us. Thank you, Dr. Alpha, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you for joining me here on LinkedIn and on Facebook and soon at thenursinghomepodcast.com. Where can our listeners and viewers learn more about you, about your company, um, and where can they connect with you? They can visit me at eleanorfeldmanbarbera.com. Okay. Okay, well, we'll put a link to your website in the show notes when this episode goes live. So everyone can head over to the nursinghomepodcast.com, nursinghomepodcast.com, and this episode will be available in the next couple of days, and we'll have a link to what we mentioned here. Thank you so much for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you.
Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.